Dear Lord Baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And of course, my red hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. Hey Cal. Why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also, due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Ooh, baby. Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Uh, I, uh, as ridiculous as that is, I think we live in a Ricky Bobby world more than any of us care to admit. Uh, and by that, I mean we live in a world where we decide who and what God is. We decide who and what God is. You know, I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. Uh, if God, we receive contrary information that God might be different. We feel completely free just to ignore that. Make up our own. You hear it a hundred times a year when someone says, oh, oh, I, I think of God this way. I, I, just don't, I just don't think of God that way. I just think of God this way. And that's good enough according to what is never asked. I just, he's got angel's wings and he's a lead singer for Leonard Skinner. As ridiculous as that sounds, 
We've been doing it for thousands of years, and it begins in the early pages of Scripture in the very first church. We're studying Acts chapter 14 is what we're doing this month. And what has just happened in our passage last week was Paul and Barnabas, two of the early teachers of the church, they leave from the areas near Jerusalem, and they're starting to go out to islands and to the southern coast of, of what we now call Turkey. And they're sharing that the Messiah promised in the Old Testament has now come in Jesus. God has revealed himself. And people are coming to believe. In fact, in their last sermon that they preached, a guy has faith that Jesus can give him a new life, and a miracle happens right there. He's, he's, he has crippled feet, and he's never walked, and he stands up and he walks. And the crowd goes crazy, but not for the right reason. The crowd believes that Paul and Barnabas are the Greek gods Zeus and Hermes. And that's why this guy got healed. And so the crowd grabs, starts grabbing bulls and uh, flower wreaths and things, and they're going to hold a sacrifice and sacrifice these animals to Paul and Barnabas, believing that they are the gods who healed this crippled man. And that is where our passage is going to pick up here in verse 14. Here's what happened next. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what had happened, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all nations to go their own way, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the town. The next day he left, I'll bet, with Barnabas for Derby. Paul and Barnabas cannot let these people worship them. That's why they tear their clothes. You probably wonder, why do they tear their clothes? Because clothes back then were very expensive. Clothes back then were difficult to make. And so if someone tore their clothes, it was a sign of great anguish or sadness or anger or frustration. And it would cause everyone, you know, everyone to go, whoa, whoa. Why is that guy tearing his clothes? He's really, really upset. Let's take a pause and hear what it's all about. Why do they tear their clothes? Because this is, this is our key point this morning. Paul and Barnabas believe that God is real. And so if they accept these people's worship, a real God would become angry. And something bad could happen to them if they just stood there and let people worship them as if they're gods. So they can't let that happen because they believe God is real. They also believe that God loves these people too much to let them sacrifice to a fake made up God. It would get them through the afternoon without getting attacked, but they just can't let that happen because they believe God is real. This is an interesting thing about us deciding who God is. I just think God is this way, according to myself. 
it kind of shows somewhere in the deep layers of us that we don't think God actually exists. Or that God is so distant that he's never going to come around and care. If God is so distant that he's never going to come around, or if he doesn't exist at all, then it's so easy to say, I think God's like this, you think God's like that, it's fine, none of it matters, let's just all get along. But if you think God exists and that God may someday come around and care, you would never do something so careless as to say, I think God as a ninja who's fighting evil samurai, you know? You just wouldn't make him up that way if you thought he was really there. Paul and Barnabas believe it is such good news that God has come for us. You know, Jesus is the only story in which God comes to us and says, here I am, I give myself for you. They think that's such good news that they want these people to embrace that, not to embrace them or something made up or fake. The people don't see it as good news, though. They're, they're greatly offended. Why should they be offended to find out that God has come to show himself to the world. Well, first off, because what they were brought up believing then isn't how it is. And they probably feel a little foolish because they saw a man healed. They said, oh, this must be Zeus and Hermes. Let's, let's sacrifice bulls to them. And then the very, their very gods turn to them and say, no, it's not us. We're not gods. There's, it's this other God that I just got done telling you about. And they probably feel a little foolish. And let's face it, some people just can't deal with ever being wrong. And I don't want to overlook this one, although this one's extremely silly, but they were getting ready to have a huge celebration. Bull sacrifices, there'd be drinking, there'd be songs, there'd be dancing. And then their gods say, no, no, we're not actually gods. There's no reason to celebrate us. So the party's over. And, and let's face it, some people really, really want a party. As stupid as that sounds, you know people in your own family who would rather party than raise their own children. That's how important it is. You know people who would rather party than work and take care of themselves. They'd rather party than do almost anything. And it's sad, but it's true, and it's not new. And then to add to the troubles, some old enemies arrive. Jews who don't believe Jesus is the promised Messiah. They come from the cities of Iconium and Antioch, it says. Now, if you look on a map, those cities are 100 miles away. Who walks a hundred miles to disrupt someone else's preaching? Some really wicked people, that's who. Now at this moment you may be saying, well now wait a minute, why do they have to be wicked? What if they just, you know, they really believe God is real and, then if you, and, that, and, and that Jesus isn't it. So what if they're just being zealous and sharing? I see where you're coming from. That'd be a great argument if that's what were happening. But I'm going to show you that's not what's happening. Uh, first of all, if these Jews who believe the Messiah is not Jesus, somebody else who's going to come later, why weren't they preaching in this city ever? Why is this the first time they walk 100 miles to show up here? There's, there's some of them already lived in this city. Why hadn't they already won the hearts of these people over? Well, we know why, because we know what 
ancient Jews thought of these folks, that they were Gentiles and that they didn't matter and that they weren't saved people. And they argued with Jesus about it all the time. And if they're such righteous people, why are they answering preaching with stoning? If there's a disagreement over preaching, why is their answer to have the crowd stone him? And that's the biggest irony of all. Why did they have that crowd stone him? That crowd of people who are in their mind are not believers. This is the biggest irony of all. What's Paul being stoned for? For preaching a false god. But who was trying to worship a false god just five minutes ago? The crowd. Who was the only one trying to keep them from worshiping a false god? Paul, whom they're now stoning. Who are they asking to stone Paul? The people who are trying to worship a false god. It's twisted. The whole situation's twisted. I've told this story before. Uh, when I went to college, there was a coven of witches on campus, uh, uh, Wiccans, people who follow Wicca. And, uh, and, but they came to the Bible study that I led. And we'd study the scriptures together and have very interesting dialogue. So one day, many months into the Bible study, one of the witches says, okay, we've come and studied your scriptures for weeks. I said, yes. She said, it's very interesting. I said, thank you. She said, now we want you to read our book on witchcraft. I said, great, bring it on. So she gave me Wicca, the guide for the solitary practitioner, which was like the book for witches uh, in the mid-90s. So I took it home, I read it, and I came back. I said, okay, I have some questions. She said, great. I said, okay, it says here that God isn't actually real, not a person. It's like an energy over the whole universe. She said, that's right. I said, but it says if you want to be in tune and worship the energy, you can give it a name. You don't have to, but you can. She said, that's right. A lot of people do. She told me the name she had chosen. Now, I said that you could choose a name from Egyptian mythology or Norse mythology or Greek mythology or Druidism or, or, or yourself. You could choose yourself, it said. She said, yeah, that's all true. I said, there was just one name it said you could not give to this energy. Jesus. She said, yeah, that's kind of a bad look for us. I said, why can you worship everything else in the whole universe, including nothing and yourself, but not Jesus? She said, yeah, I guess it's just because a lot of witches grew up in like Christian families and weren't treated very good or something. I said, okay, it just, it's really suspicious that you can have everything in the whole universe except this one thing. Because I know it's a terrible look. Our, our church and churches like us are built in the idea that God loves everyone too much to just leave them to make up anything or nothing. That in fact, he does come and reveal himself in Jesus. So we have these stories and these occurrences to say, that's what God is like. That's what God is like. And, and you don't have to make up your own God. In fact, you don't even have to find God. God presents himself. You just have to embrace him. And say, thank you for coming for me. No, not everyone wants to hear that. Not everyone wants to hear that what they've been doing and making up isn't right. And not everyone wants to hear that a real God is saying, you should stop doing that. That's going to lead to heartache. Not everyone wants to hear that a real God is saying, you should start doing this. 
You should start with generosity. You should start with forgiveness. You should start with prayer because that's going to lead you to life. Not everyone wants their life to be interrupted that way. And here's the biggest cultural irony of all. We live in a culture right now that is at the height of I invent my identity and you will recognize it and celebrate it. And yet God is not allowed to invent his own identity. We invent that for him. Fascinating. We get to say who we are and we get to say who he is. It's a bad look for us. And the church still has enemies who would walk a hundred miles to trash this message that you can see God's love in Jesus. In some parts of the world, it happens exactly as it happened in the book of Acts. Um, A few years ago, I was meeting with some youth pastors from Nigeria, they were visiting the United States. So I got to have lunch with youth pastors from Nigeria and they asked me, a pastor, what is the greatest challenge of youth ministry in the United States? I said, that's easy, distraction. Uh, Kids and families have so many other things they're distracted by in the world today. They still want their kids to be in church, but on a list of 15 things they want for their children, church is like number 13. They'll get to it after they've completed the other 12. I said, what's the biggest challenge for youth ministry in Nigeria? And he said, when Boko Haram, the radical Muslim group, takes over a village, they bury the children in the street up to their neck and they tell them to renounce Jesus or they'll be stoned to death. And we have to teach our youth group, in that moment, you must not renounce Jesus. It is better to die and go to be with Jesus than to renounce him and join these people in doing this to others. I think we need to pray for our youth pastors in Nigeria. I think they have a tougher challenge. Now, as dark as this story is, let's not lose sight of how it ends. Let's not lose sight of how it ends. Verse 19, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium. They won the crowd to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up. He went back into town. And the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Don't lose sight that there were believers gathered around him. There were folks that day who did say, okay, so there's no Zeus. Tell me about this Jesus. I will believe in him. It sounds a lot better. There were people who would go stand around with him and mourn him when they thought he was dead and celebrate when he got up. And Paul went back into that town. I don't know if it's because there was nowhere else to go or if he's just really, really brave. I think he's probably brave because I could have slept outside given what just happened in that town. Really, really brave. And God's word goes forward. So despite the fact that our world has enemies and folks who'd rather keep doing what they're doing, don't lose sight of the fact that there are many who would stand around you. My wife and I, I hadn't intended to tell this. My wife and I were just in Scotland and uh, there was a a woman in in the movie theater. We went and saw Top Gun. It's really good. Um, But she was having a real hard time. Like she couldn't walk. Uh, and so my wife and I went out and we're like, oh, I think she's dehydrated. So we got her some water. And, and her son, who's about my age, 
He goes, so you must be Christian then. I said, I'm sorry. He goes, so I'm supposing you're Christian then? Only 2% of people go to church in Scotland. And my wife said, actually, he's a pastor. And his mother, who's come, she goes, oh, he's a pastor too. And we went outside the theater and we talked until dark, which in Scotland means midnight. <laughs> and at the end, they said, isn't it interesting? You can go anywhere in the world and you can tell who your brothers and sisters are and you can talk with them as if you've known them. And we said we pray for each other's churches. There's, there are people who are standing with you this morning. Now, for, think about those believers who for generations believed in Zeus and stuff like that. And now they're Christian. You've got to be wondering, like, now, how far am I going to get on this journey if I'm just starting? I have not been, my family has not been doing this. My ancestors have not been doing this. I haven't been doing this. And now I'm however old I am. Some of you may be wondering that today. If I follow Jesus today, if I say, yes, God came for us, that's great news. But I am pretty far along in this. How far am I going to get? And what's that mean? So several years ago, I waited too long into the spring to start mowing. Have you ever done this? So the grass is getting pretty high. And I said, okay, I got to do something about this. So I go down and turn the key in my mower. Uh, oh, I bring the battery in from inside like you're supposed to. I put it in the motor and I turn my key and, it, and the starter goes. Like it turns slow like that. I'm like, what? I'm not handy. I have no clue. I get on YouTube. I'm going, I, I, I guess it's the starter. So I order a new starter. Then Now the grass is still growing while that comes through the mail. More YouTubes. Figure out how to put it on. Put in the thing. Okay, we're ready to go. Now it's real tall. Turn the key. Same thing with the new starter. I'm like, oh my goodness, it wasn't the starter. So back on YouTube. And then I notice in YouTube, everybody else's starter turns the opposite direction of mine. Flip up the seat, battery cable's on backwards. Switch the battery cables around, ready to go. Now let me tell you, I went out and I mowed the grass. High on Wednesday, low on Friday, we're back in business. Today, as I tell you that story, I've mowed hundreds of times out there praying and thinking. And I'm telling you, however many weeks that grass was growing when I had the battery cables backwards, it just doesn't matter anymore. It's just a fun story I tell. So however long you've been following some made up God, some false version of God, you've got your battery cables on backwards, you switch them today, you go to the real God, your spiritual life starts. I'm telling you in a few years, it just won't matter. A real God changes your life faster than a false God degrades it and breaks it down by thousands of times. That's part of the good news. It just won't matter. Just come forward today, receive the body and blood of Christ that he has reached out, he has shown himself to you. A spiritual journey begins and uh, it, it won't matter if you're getting on at 16 or 36 or 66 or 96. It just, it just won't matter. It's all good news when you follow because God is real and his power is real. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you that you came for us. 
Lord, no one else even promises to come for us. They all say, come find me, come make me up. Oh, your grace is so good. You came to us. All we have to do is embrace you. Lord, I pray with everyone this morning who wants to embrace you, who wants to begin a journey, who wants to put their battery cables on with the right plus and minus. Lord, I pray uh, knowing that the spiritual life that's about to begin will change everything. So Lord, we confess our sins of, of trying to slap an identity on you and make you up. We were scared of you or just confused, just deceived. We put that aside now and we proclaim, Lord, that Jesus is our Savior and we will follow him. We are saved by him and uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our life and direct us all through the week for the trials that we face. Today we become followers of Jesus and in his name we pray, amen.